0: So there's a a story about a doctor, a world-renowned doctor who spent pretty much all of his life working and traveling and speaking and and just and just writing all these dynamic things. And he he felt like he needed to be the best. He felt like he needed to be on top of the world, and he and he wanted everyone to to see him that way so again he would he would go on speaking engagements he would write articles all of these things and because he wanted to be the best the problem was it was having a terrible effect on his family his family was suffering his wife basically came to him and said you know uh, I think it'd be good for us to to separate his children were were really feeling like Um, They were being neglected, if you will, and and they they were getting into all kinds of trouble, making choices, getting into all kinds of trouble. and, And so the doctor decided that he needed to make an important decision. Because he looked back on his life and realized that his father had done pretty much the same thing. Had to be the absolute best. Work, 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 go, 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 writing the articles, doing these things, and you know, making sure everyone around him realized that he was on top of his game, basically destroying their family. Um, kids, you know, he struggled through his life, and he didn't want to do the same thing. He didn't want history to repeat itself. So this world-famous doctor decided that he was going to do do something bold with his life. He was going to change his whole life. So he stepped out of the position as um, the head of his department in the hospital. And he stopped traveling. He stopped speaking. And he moved his family to the beach, basically, and started a small practice where he could reestablish relationships with the, his kids and, and, and restore his relationship with his wife. And for, for a long time, things were going well. But then he started reading articles on how other doctors in his field were, were coming up with new breakthroughs in this technology. And they were writing the articles and envy, envy started to seep in. Thinking, I should be doing that. I've got the ability. I should be the one. And, and so slowly, it didn't, it was a progression. It was slow, but it was a progression. Over time, he, he started writing again. And then he started traveling a lot more and speaking. And then he spent, started spending a lot more time at the local hospital. And you can probably guess what happened. His family really started to fall apart again. One of his, his son basically was so depressed through it all that he, he started to take drugs and his life was in shambles. His other child moved out of the house and she refused to speak to him after that. She was finished. And his wife filed for divorce. And he had lost everything. He had, lost, he, had lost, he had lost his family. His relationships were, were destroyed. And before, before everything began to really crumble and fall apart, he agreed to speak at a world-famous like, um, medical conference. This was a world-renowned conference. And he was going to be one of the main stage speakers. And he agreed to do that before all this other stuff happened. And that day finally came. And he was standing at the back of the room and everyone was waiting and the person got up who was kind of the MC, and was introducing this incredible man who's done all these amazing things and was laying out his resume to everyone. There were thousands of people or more than a thousand people in the room and when he started to come forward, they all just stood and they applauded. And he walked up to the stage to the applause of thousands of people. And when he got up on stage... He went to the podium and he stood at the podium, and people could tell that he was emotional and looked exhausted. And he reached down into his bag and he pulled out a picture of his family. When everybody was finished applauding and he was quiet, he said, Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't worth it. And he left. This morning we're closing out our series, Breathing Room. Last week we talked about finding, finding simplicity to create more margin in our lives finding that simplicity in our lives so that we could we can find more margin in our hectic, kind of crazy lives. And we, we started looking at the biblical principles that God has laid out for us in Scripture that would help us in our quest to find that simplicity so we could find that margin. And we talked about how each of us needs to make some really significant, really thoughtful, really hard decisions to, to, to cut out unnecessary time that we're wasting. To stop wasting time with unnecessary things in our lives. Stop signing up for everything and saying yes to everything and filling our lives with so much that we don't have time. Like I said earlier, when Jen was singing, the whole band, they were up here and they were leading worship. The sermon started then. Those songs that we were singing, spending time with God, cutting out those time wasters. Because the most valuable, the most valuable use of our time is investing in God and investing in others. The most valuable use of the time that God, your your most valuable possession is not your resource, not your money, it's not your home, it's not your assets, it's not it's it's your relationships. The most valuable asset you have is your time and the most valuable way to use that time is in relationship with our relationship with God and then our relationship with other people. We we said that we need to take, take the effort to cut out the non-essentials in our lives so that we can focus on the core elements. What is most important? The problem that we're having, guys, is we don't even realize what's most important because we go and we go and we go and we go and we don't even have time to think about it. Honestly, as I was going through this sermon, I prayed over and over. Not that I would be able to really deliver this sermon, but that you would be able to understand what I'm laying out this morning. Because the more I studied, and the more I realized, if if we don't get this down, honestly, if we don't understand this, if we don't come to this conclusion, everything else becomes at least way more difficult to achieve. All the things of God that we want to do. All the spiritual growth that we want to have. If we don't get this part down. This is one of the most significant sermons you're ever going to hear. Because of the content of what we're talking about. We need to be able to cut out the things that that don't matter. That are non-essentials from our lives. So we can concentrate on the core elements. The core elements. We said that simplicity... That finding that simplicity will bring peace and joy and contentment to our lives. That contentment, that's what we all, that's what we all strive for. That's what everybody desires. Everybody in the world wants to feel that peace that passes all understanding. They want contentment in their lives, but their lives are so filled up and they have so much going on and they feel so overwhelmed and they react to every circumstance and their emotions dictate their actions that they don't, they don't have it. But we can have it. That's what I'm saying to you this morning. We, we can actually have this in our lives, regardless of our circumstances. And we left off with the need to address The stumbling blocks that will keep us from accomplishing those biblical principles that we laid out last week. What are the stumbling blocks, we asked. And so as I was processing through this, envy was on the top of my list of the stumbling blocks that keep us from accomplishing that contentment, that peace, that joy, that thankfulness. It's envy. And that's what I want to spend. Honestly, I want to spend most of my time this morning focused on this whole idea of envy. Envy is the enemy, enemy of contentment and is a form of self-inflicted misery. Self-inflicted misery. Envy, this whole idea of Envy. As I was processing through this, so I realized that that the problem that we have is our culture is often driven by it. You think about this, okay? It's it's, it's like driven by it. Advertisers, Advertisers constantly play on our sinful nature. They would deny the idea of a sinful nature, but I'm going to tell you something. Advertisers play on our sinful nature. That whole idea that we're going to envy. We have such envy. We get it from the mainstream media. Honestly, we get it from both of our political parties. We get it from almost all of our social movements, if you will. They use, they use envy to drive their followers. You think this through with me for a second. They use envy. The, the mainstream media, okay, our political parties, and most social movements that we're going through right now use envy to drive their followers and to achieve their goals. You listen to their speeches. It's envy. It's this whole idea of envy. They pit one group, they pit one group against another, placing blame, fanning hatred, right? They fan, they fan that, that hatred and, and they're using envy to stir the pot. It's that whole envy. Focus on these other folks. They're the cause. They say, those people, though, it's always those people. Those people are responsible. They're responsible, okay, for your circumstances. They have so much, you have so little. They get all the breaks, you get no breaks whatsoever. They have, they have, they have, they have all the advantages, and on and on and on. It's those, it's this, these people. Guys, honestly, this section here, it's this section here. They're the cause of all your problems. <laughs> Guys, the, this this section here see that section over there they're the cause of all your all the things you're going there there's your problem right there because they because they you see what they have you see what they're trying to and it's like this whole idea advertisers do it see what this person looks like you need to be like them you need to be like that. You need to have this or have that. Or It's this pull to envy, envy, envy someone else. And it's ripping us to pieces. Their goal, their goal, all of their goals, seriously, is to create a spirit, whether they realize it or not, to create a spirit of envy in the culture. And we're getting sucked up into it. And I mean spirit of envy, I don't. I mean spirit, like spirit of envy that is permeating the culture. Satan is using it. He's the author of it all and they're just soaking it right in. Man, this works. How do I get elected? I pit this group of people against that group of people. And it works. And they know it. And Satan just feeds right into it. The Bible, though, takes a different approach. This is so the dichotomy here, okay? The Bible takes a completely different approach. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, Paul tells us that he has learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, no matter what other people have or what other people say. Or He's learned the secret. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Listen to that. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Been on both ends. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And then in 1 Timothy 6, 6-10, he writes this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we will take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And we've talked about this. How, how often have we talked about this in the last few few months? temptation and into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction and you think oh i'm only in junior high i'm only in high school i'm I'm gonna tell you something this this talking to you you're making choices and decisions right now the world is feeding you okay you say world's not feeding me yes it is because the main reason you're making those choices is you don't feel good about yourself or you don't feel this about yourself or you're envying something that someone else has whether it's their looks or whether it's their resources or something else and that's driving you to make decisions that will bring you into a trap okay harmful desires that will plunge people into ruin and destruction. Make no mistake about it. You keep going down this path, it will bring ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And not just money. Those desires for other things that other... Oh, if I only had... Fill in the blank for you. You don't care about money. If I only had... If I only... Then... And, that's, and you just get pulled into that trap. Envy... Think, think of this. Envy consumes physical, emotional, and spiritual energy. Consumes it. You're exhausted... Think about one of the reasons you may be exhausted. Constantly thinking about, oh, if I only, if this would only change or if I could only date this person, if I could only have that, if I only had this or this was a little bigger, if that were a little better, a little bit more or whatever. Envy, okay, envy Leads to physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion. It sucks your energy. But contentment, contentment creates greater margin in our lives. Contentment, when we're content, that's why I want you to really grab this. Contentment creates greater, greater margin in our lives. You say, well, how? How, how, does, how does contentment create greater margin in our lives? It keeps us, it keeps you and me from running after things that don't really matter. We spend all of our time running after things that don't really matter. And then we end up like the doctor who stands up at the end and realizes he lost everything because he's lost all of his relationships. But, oh, he wrote some good articles. Oh, everybody who didn't matter, they thought he was wonderful. And then he lost it all. It keeps you... From chasing after things that don't matter, and it gives you the opportunity to to go after the things that truly do. So it allows you the space to, to pursue. To invest in the things that really matter in your life emotional and spiritual health, if you will, relationships and quality time with God. I mean, I'm not gonna ask because I think we most of us would fail. But how many of us would say that we're spending our time on the things that truly matter? Quality time with God, really? Why do you think we're why do you think this country country why do you think a country, honestly before I'm fifty seven years? Years old. The economy has never been this good in 57 years I've been alive. Jobs. There are so many jobs out there that anybody on any at any level could could go get a really decent job. There are hundred thousand dollar a year jobs. Okay, that can't be filled because of people. They don't need a college education. They just need to be trained. There's not enough trained people, and they're willing to train people. Jobs, why do you think the country is so lost? Why do you think the country, there is there such intensity and hatred and and loneliness and bitterness and anger and all these things? Why do you think that? Why do you think in a country, seriously, that's the next thing closest to Shangri-La, okay, that ever existed on this planet, people are walking around, wanting to shoot other people, carrying on, hating every other group? Think about it. No, contentment, are you joking? I want to say this. Peace, joy, contentment. Doesn't that describe our culture? I want you to think about this for a second. No country in the history of the universe, okay, has ever had what we have right here, right now. No one. Rome, nothing. Nothing compared to what we have. Peace, joy and contentment coming from all that we have think about it listen we need we need to have we we because i'm talking to you i can't talk to everybody else in the world that can't hear me but we we as a church need to have the courage to change from envy, from envy, and you have, first we have to admit that, we're, that we, we have it, alright? We that we're envious of something, someone, some whatever. Envy, we need to change, for, have the courage to change from envy to contentment in a way that is permanent and tangible. We need to be, this cannot be a sermon that you heard, you thought was interesting, kind of practical, definitely will be theological as we move through here. And you thought about it, you thought, you know, I need to make a few changes. That's not, I don't care about you making a few changes, I really don't. What I care about is you changing your thought process. You're not going to accomplish what you really want, what you really desire, unless you change your whole thought process. And we should get rid of your stinking thinking and get and some biblical-minded thinking in there and start changing in very practical and very tangible and very permanent ways. We need to have the strength. Honestly, we need to have the strength to sit back and cut out activities and habits that are wasting time, that are sucking energy, and that are harming our relationships. We literally need to step back and look at our lives and say, why am I involved in this? Why am I signing my kids up for this? Why am I choosing to say yes to this? Ask yourself the question. And if you don't come up with a good answer, then you need to start cutting some of these things out of your life. And I'm not saying any of them are sinful. But combined, okay, and the purpose, if you're looking at your motives, judge your own motives. No one can judge your motives but you. Judge your own motives. Ask yourself, why am I engaged in these things? Do they build the kingdom of God? Are they fostering strong relationships? Am I giving myself the time? To really focus on what matters in my life. See, if we're going to find margin, we need to start working a plan. A real plan, okay? A plan with God's help. We need to start working a plan with God's help. When when I'm focused on God's purposes for my life, when I'm focused on God's plan for my life, I can stop looking, I can stop focusing, I can stop dwelling on the temporal, which is envy, envy. Okay, it's the temporal. What the world is offering, the things you see around you. I can stop focusing on the temporal, and I can start focusing on the eternal. What really matters. I had a thought process this week. I thought, man, what if I if I I did this? A couple of people asking me, you should do such and such, and I thought, should I do such and such? What would that What would that bring to the kingdom of God? Well, that would bring more recognition to me. So if I did that, I'll bring more recognition. So what would more recognition bring me? More recognition would bring me more people asking me outside of what God is calling me to do to go and do something outside there. Okay, what would that cause? Well, less time with my family, less time with my church, less time maybe with the Lord because I'd be doing other things. So I started going through the progression and realizing "Mm, maybe I maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I shouldn't do that because the end result of that is not what I feel God is calling me, the plan that God has for my life. We need to step back, guys. We need to step back and we need to come, we need to look at the purposes of God in our life and the plan of God for our lives so that we can start focusing on the eternal and stop focusing on the temporal, the here and now and what we, what is, what can be offered us right now, right here. I can stop making decisions based on honestly, seriously. This is what the world really needs to hear. can stop making decisions based on what others are doing or what others are thinking or what others are saying or what other people may have and start thinking about your life being in harmony with God's will for you instead of thinking about other people are thinking other people are saying what other people are doing what other people have focus on your life being in harmony right in harmony with what God has willed for you personally what is God's will for my life you know what you're never going to find out you know why because you're so busy running 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 getting involved in every stinking activity on the planet doing everything yes to everything people are asking you that you don't have don't blame God because you don't know your purpose and his will for your life Blame yourself. Blame the world. Blame envy. Blame our, our political process. Blame the uh, blame the media. Blame um, you know the social movements. Blame uh, the blame Satan. But please don't blame God that you don't know your purpose and the will, God's will for your life, because we actually don't take the time to sit down with His Word and we don't take the time to be still and to know that He is God and to sit back and ask Him to speak into our hearts and to and to try to put all. All that together to understand what God wants for my life. I'll tell you what he doesn't want. He doesn't want you to covet what everybody else has. He doesn't want you to envy what everybody else has so your life isn't complete in utter chaos and ruin all the time because you're so miserable that you don't have what you think you should have. Especially if you're younger, listen to what I'm saying. The world's ideas and the world's ideas and philosophies never satisfy The world's ideas and what you, what you're told, what you're taught in school sometimes and what you see in the media and what your friends are saying, those, those philosophies and those ideas will never satisfy. They are an endless trap, an endless trap that will lead you to frustration and bitterness. That's where you'll end up. You're gonna be old, you're gonna be lonely, you're gonna be frustrated, you're gonna be bitter about it. They keep you in bondage. Those, that, that, all of the, the temporal thought process, the, the, the worldly thought process, keeps you in bondage to a thought process that never, 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 never delivers what it promises. Never. It never delivers what it promises. Ask some people who came to Christ later in life who tried all these things, who listened to all the gurus and experts and all the books and all the, all the podcasts and all the whatever. Everybody's an expert. And you come to find out this expert on this subject goes off and decides there is no God and blah, blah, blah. Freedom and, con- freedom and, con- freedom and contentment in life doesn't come from being better than everyone else. It doesn't come from trying to change people's opinions. It doesn't, ca- it doesn't come from making those people pay. You know, if we could just make those people, get rid of those people, or make those people pay, or, 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 you know, or, or get my fair share, or whatever the new cliche is, hating another group of people is not going to get you contentment. And peace and joy focusing your attention on it, what someone else is doing or someone else is saying or someone else has or what they shouldn't have or what they should have is never, ever, ever they, 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 they will continually tell you if you could just get rid of this group of people, if we could just attack that group of people, if we could just change the minds, then all will all, it's going to be like nirvana, it's going to be like this perfect world that we all, never going to happen, you're going to end miserable. It comes back to Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I have learned a secret to be, of being content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. There's a secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Now, we read that and we don't describe it. And I'm going to take the time, maybe I'll go a few minutes over here, but I'm going to take the time to tell you what that, that, what that to explain that passage. Paul didn't always see things as he describes in this path. He didn't always see it this way. He didn't always see it this way. In his words, he had to learn to be content with the ups and downs of life. So when Paul, Paul before, before when Paul first got saved, he didn't see it this way. He had to learn to be content through the ups and through the downs of life. In, in other words, Paul didn't respond Well, he didn't always respond well to life's challenges. Something would happen and he didn't, and he wouldn't respond well. But over time, he learned a secret. There's a secret to this. He learned a truth that became the anchor of his whole life. Regardless of life circumstances, regardless of life circumstances, he learned to trust in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Write that down. The sufficiency of Christ. That Jesus Christ is sufficient. Write it down. Go study it. Take all, take the next year to engross yourself in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Paul grew to believe that Jesus was not just a part of his life, but Jesus was his life. Not just a little, little bit of it, but he, he, was, he was all of it. He it. He was a friend. He was a protector. He was a provider. He enabled Paul to do these things. He was his savior. He was his lord. He was all, he was all of these things. Jesus was all that Paul needed. Hear me out. Jesus was everything was all encompassed everything he didn't need a he didn't need another a, a female relationship in order to he didn't need this relate he, he Jesus was everything everything was grew out of his completeness in Jesus Christ the sufficiency of Jesus Christ that Paul experienced enabled him to find contentment and peace and joy and thankfulness thankfulness in all all circumstances, you say. What do you mean, all? I mean all circumstances. Things were going great. He was thankful. Things weren't going so great. He was thankful. He might die. He was thankful because you know why he was thankful? Because he could leave this place and go be with the Lord. That's what he wanted. He was thankful. Kill me, fine. Don't kill me, fine. Shipwreck. fine. Stone me, don't stone me. Christ is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. We sing songs about it. We talk about it in church from childhood if you grew up in church. The sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Christ is sufficient. I can do all things to Jesus. And we sing and we talk, whatever else. And then we live with envy. We're not peaceful. We're not content. We're not happy. We're not joyful. Because we don't understand what it actually means to have the sufficiency of Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, give life everything that you have. Listen to me. Give it all. Paul's saying, give it all that you have. You give life everything you have. You, you, you try to be the best that you can be with the gifts and talents and, 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 and the resources and, that God has given you. Try to be the best that you can be. Leave nothing, leave, leave it all in the field, okay? Leave nothing to chance, leave it all in the field. Give it all, and when you're done, you left it all in the field. Don't you dare, he's saying, live one part, one iota of your life in mediocrity. And then he says, when that, this is what it means, then when that's all done, Christ will enable you to be content, regardless with the outcome, win or lose. Go for it. Live, man. Live your life to the fullest when it comes to when it comes to building the kingdom of God. Use all your talents. Use all your gifts. Become the best doctor. Become the best lawyer. Become the best engineer. Become the best chef. Become the best whatever you choose to be. But do it all to the glory of God. Do it all within the context of what really matters to God. And if in that, and if in you be trying to become the best, and you don't become the world renowned whatever, here's the thing. Christ will help you be content with that. With all the ups and downs, the wins, the losses. Paul learned something, Paul learned something that we all need to learn. That he can do all things. He can do. He can be beaten down, or he can rise to the top. He could be starving to death, or he could be eating with kings. And regardless of where life takes him, he can have. In, he can have the endure, enduring contentment because of the strength that he received from the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if I'm eating with kings, or if I'm eating with dogs, it doesn't matter. If I have a little or if I have a lot, it doesn't matter. Why? Because at the end, Christ gives me the strength to endure whatever comes my way. And not just endure it, oh, this is terrible, but have peace and joy and contentment all along the way. I have seen poor people become rich and rich people become poor and both of them lost their identity. I've watched I have I've watched rich people become poor and they lose their complete identity. But that doesn't happen, my friends. Listen to me. Please listen to me. That will not happen if you find your identity in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that there is nothing. There is nothing that this world, that you world can offer me, can give me. And there is nothing that you can take away from me that will change my identity. I know who I am because I am a follower. Of my, when, I, when I gave my life to Christ, I died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's what matters. I'm gonna go live my life to the fullest. You people hopefully will be here for years and years in this church and we'll do, we will grow old and gray together. And I will I will live with all the gusto, with all the energy, with all the passion. I will give my last breath to Jesus Christ and I will be so full at the end of my life. But regardless of how my life turns out, I will never lose my identity because my identity is found in Jesus Christ. It will not be found in my accomplishments. It will not be found. It will be found in my relationships with you, my relationships with my family, and my relationship ultimately, most importantly, with my God. Christ brings simplicity because He transcends our sinful nature and our misplaced desires, our misplaced desires. He brings clarity and contentment to our heart. And listen, he silences those voices. He silences the voices that call us to envy and to bitterness. You can look when you know who you are in Christ. You can look. At, I, I'm telling you guys, I have done calf raises, okay, since last July. I can do like six hundred of these in like four sets. I, I have no calves. I'm like a I'm like a stork, okay? I, I don't understand it. Uh, but I'm doing calf. I'm, I'm out. In the, I'm in the gym like three or four times a week. You know what I mean? I I can get bigger here. I you know. I'm losing a little bit of my fat back. You know what I'm saying? Jeez, why can't you just push the down in your calves? I My identity is not found in my calves. It's my biceps, baby. No, it's not. (laughs) It isn't. You can look in the mirror because you know who you are. Your sufficiency, who you are, your identity is found in Jesus Christ. He brings clarity and contentment to our hearts. You're lost. You're confused. You're bitter. You're angry. You're lonely because you don't know who you are. I heard a statistic that 22 25% of millennials are the most lonely people in the world. How how is that? With all they have, with everybody telling them how wonderful you are, you're wonderful, you did, you're wonderful, here's a trophy for everything. You're one, I don't care if you do that or not. But why are they so lonely? Why are they so miserable? Because they don't know who they are. And it all starts with putting God first in your life and learning the secret. So how do we receive God's help to create margin in our lives? How do we do that? First, we need to read His Word to make sure... Listen, we need to read His Word to make sure that our thoughts, okay, that our thoughts and our choices are in alignment with God's will. Let that sink in. Every decision we make... Every decision we make should be made with God's guidance. Every decision. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I sign up for this? Should I go do this? Should I do that? Every decision we make should be made with God's guidance. Like I said last week, becoming committed to an activity should, should, be, should be, you should start with, before you com- become committed to that activity, you should start with sincere prayer. You should start with sincere prayer. And when you pray, you should, you should basically ask this. Am I leaving room for myself? Remember we talked last week, I said, I like to fish. I like to relax, That's what relaxes me, I like to go fishing. Do I have time to do that? To recharge my energy, to recharge my... Do you have time to spend, like some person said, I like work, multiple people said, I love being around horses. When's the last time you were around a horse? are you leaving time for yourself to the things that you truly enjoy that charge your energies that give you that creative mind and allow you to rest and reflect and are you doing those things you need to make sure you you have time for yourself you need to make sure you're saving time for your family you need to make sure you have quality time with God and and not only that for the things for the things the ideas the vision or the people that God may want to bring into your life that you need to influence but if you're not having the, you don't have the time then you can't do God will come to you and give you this great vision but you just ignore it you don't even think about it because you don't have the time to think about it so you just pray and make sure that's in place and then ask ask do i have an eternal perspective am i looking at this from an eternal perspective Am I taken each day? Ask yourself, am I taken each day as it comes? Seriously, guys. Seriously, we have to stop worrying and being anxious about the future and being caught up in the what ifs. And, in Matthew chapter six, verses twenty-five through thirty-four, it said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, a lot of people couldn't answer that question because they don't know who they are. They don't, they don't have an identity, so they feel bad about themselves and they look in the mirror and they don't feel good. So they don't feel valuable. Are you not much more valuable than they? The answer should be Yes. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? The answer is no. And, and you can take him away, though. And why do you worry about clothes? See, that, see the, how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet, I tell you, not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So why do you worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Excuse me, but who am I going to date, and what am I going to do, and why can't I look like this, and why don't I have that, and what's wrong with the other? For the pagans went after these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. At the end of the day, here's what you need to do. Here's what we need to do. At the end of the day, you need to stop and you need to reflect on these three simple questions. Okay? Stop and reflect on these three simple questions. How did I connect with God today? Write these down. Write them down. Get a pen from the feet back, write it on the back of your bulletin, write it on your hand. I don't care, up your arm, make a tattoo out of it. How did I connect with God today? How did I connect with God today? How did I spiritually, emotionally, and if you still can, physically strengthen myself today? Myself, there's nothing wrong with that. How did I physically, emotionally, and spiritually strengthen myself today? And then how did I develop deeper relationships with other people today? How did I develop deeper relationships with other people today? Because those are the things that God is concerned about. See, the road to simplicity leads to margin and ends, listen, and ends in healthy relationship. The road to simplicity leads to margin and ends in healthy relationships. Love and relationships, my friends, are hard work. And they take, listen again, they take time and they take discipline. But we are never going to achieve those things unless we cut out unnecessary activities. We need to cut those things out. All those unnecessary activities. But here's the cool thing. If we're willing to put the effort in, if we're willing, I want you to take go, go buy the, the CD of this and listen to it in your car. Listen to it over and over. Not because you love the sound of my voice, but to the concepts. Because the payoff, if we do this, the payoff is peace, joy, contentment, and thankfulness in all circumstances. Peace, joy, contentment, thankfulness in all circumstances. Here's the thing. This is why we did the series. We are going into a new season. Things are about to, in the next couple of weeks or a month or so, things are about to really ramp up. And you're going to have to start making choices of what you choose to get involved in. All of them, most of the things you're, I'm talking about are good. They're good things. But you're going to have to make choices of what you're going to get involved in when all those things ramped up are ramped up. Here's, here's what I'm saying bow your heads with me and listen to my last words Let's make sure that we are saving room for what matters most With all those good decisions make great decisions Let's make sure that we're saving time for what matters most God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity. We can be here together. I pray, dear God, this, if we, if I, if all of us could truly live this out, and we can. Paul says, I've learned a secret. He's told us what the secret is. It can be done. Over time, it can be done. Help us, we pray. Help us, we pray, with all of our hearts to save time for you, to save time for the people who matter most to us, and to save time for ourselves to be able to reflect on what matters to you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Love you. Have a great, great week.